Britain in that first year of their marriage. Hadn't she moved towns for him, set him up in business, and given him her good name? Stanley's response had been as she'd hoped. Over the next eight years he'd worked hard and done well for himself. Not that she would ever have said so to him, but the name Stanley Pryke had a certain ring to it. Honest, solid, trustworthy. Pryke, her father's name. Better than the name she'd married. From the beginning people reacted to Mrs. Stanley Wise as if they knew something Linda didn't, as if it carried a bad smell, as if she carried a bad smell. Only when the police came knocking at their door that first spring did she discover what the smell was, what Stanley had been doing. Even in that short time she'd taken to being a wife. A round peg, it turned out, for a round hole. She couldn't imagine her life as anything else. Not then. She'd done what wives have to do, but even now the memory of policemen searching her house could bring tears to her eyes and make her unsteady on her feet. The humiliation she had suffered as they opened every cupboard and drawer and picked through her underwear. The indignity of being taken to the police station and questioned. Stanley's conviction and fine. The stories in the newspapers, the gossip among the neighbours, and wherever she went in the high street. She had coped, somehow. In hindsight, her dread at being alone again, aged forty-four, saved the marriage. Stanley's remorse had also helped, his confession bringing them closer for a while. He told her about his childhood, how he'd lived for those few unpredictable days when Tommy Wise, his father, would visit, when knowledge would be passed from one generation to another. They'd go on biannual expeditions, scouting in autumn, collecting in spring. The thrill never left Stanley. An addiction, he'd said. He'd been shaking, too, just like an addict would, when he promised to change his ways. Never again, he'd said. Never again would he put everything at risk. Unexpectedly, she'd felt pity for him, and, in time, an afterglow of satisfaction at having rescued him by setting him up in his own property management company and by buying a nice house for them both in a town a hundred miles away where the name Stanley Wise was unknown, where Stanley Pryke could start again, where Mrs. Stanley Pryke could go shopping without worrying about what people were saying behind her back, without anyone really knowing who she was, apart from her name. Until that terrible time she'd felt beholden to him for making her a plain woman nearing the end of her childbearing years, his wife. Afterwards she took the view that if anyone had an obligation to the other it was Stanley. She stopped worrying about being older than him, her thinness or her flat bosom or her old-fashioned hair. Over time she thought the two of them had found a happy enough equilibrium.
Stanley had his interests, and Linda, increasingly, hers. Being Mrs. Stanley Pryke in a new town gave her the confidence to spread her wings. She attended charity events, played bridge or bowls with her women friends, and often thought herself fortunate when she heard them complain about their demanding, unreasonable, or unfaithful husbands. There had been none of that unpleasantness with Stanley. The worst she could have said of him, though of course she didn't to her friends, was that he was an absence rather than a presence. When he wasn't at work, he spent his time indexing, classifying, and recording. Mostly he was shut away in his room upstairs. She'd tolerated it, or so she'd told herself, because it kept him from his old trouble. Had he been deceiving her all this time?